Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. This week, we are continuing in our series of messages based on Mark Moore's devotional book, Core 52. Each week, we will explore a key theme from Scripture, providing practical insights and reflections to deepen our understanding of God's Word. Join us as we uncover the foundational principles that shape our Christian walk and discover how they can impact our lives today. This message was recorded live during our Sunday morning worship service. Well, let me say, if you thought last week's core was a familiar word to us, gospel, this week is perhaps the most familiar word that we'll be studying in all of Core 52, and that is faith. This is not a word in which we uh, would hear and think we do not know or understand. It's a word that is not just used in Christianity. It's a word that is used by everyone in everyday life. But it is also a core component of how we respond to the gospel, which we spoke about last week because you cannot respond to the gospel without faith. And so while this is one of the most familiar words that we will look at, it is also important for us to understand because the way in which the world uses this word and the way in which the Bible uses this word are not the same thing. And so it's one of those tricky little things where when we hear a word, it might not mean exactly what we think it means. And because it is a part of how we respond to the gospel, it is vitally important for us to understand what it means to have true, biblical, saving faith. Our core verse this week is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. When we are called to believe, to accept, and to place our faith in the gospel, we are being called to a lot more than just intellectually accepting a truth or a fact as true. We are actually being called to change our loyalties, to come to God's side through repentance. Faith in the biblical sense is more than just believing a truth. It is action-oriented. It is something that has substance. It moves us to act. That isn't how we usually think about the word faith, even biblical faith. Uh, we usually think of faith as just that, belief in the truth of the gospel. Uh, but when we look at the faith that Jesus invites us to in scripture, when we respond to the gospel, the active element is very hard to miss. Because again, faith has substance, it acts, and it moves. And that is where we often get this wrong, because we misunderstand the word. Listen to the words of James chapter 2, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So here's where the misunderstanding begins. Many believe that faith or belief is just a matter of our heads. But James says that faith without action is dead. In other words, it's not faith at all. And this is where we get mixed up because we think that when it comes to believing the gospel that the word believe is simply what you think. It's what you are convinced of intellectually. That it's just head knowledge. 
And from that we conclude that whoever assents to the truth, that the facts of the gospel, whoever's convinced of that in their head, that that is all there is to it, and they are saved. But listen to these next words from James chapter 2. He says, Someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That's a bit of a scary verse to read. Because, again, this is something that you hear often, that if you just believe the facts, you're saved. But James says, even the demons of hell do that. So that's kind of scary to consider. The demons of hell believe that Jesus is God's son. They believe in his deity, and they understand fully who he is and what he has done. And so according to this, according to James, simply believing the facts about it is not the full story. And we kind of saw a little taste of that last week in terms of responding to the gospel. That if the sum total of faith is simply head knowledge, it is not a saving faith. Now others are convinced it is how you feel in your heart. That faith is what you should feel and sense with your emotions. And again, you should feel something (laughs) when you hear the facts of the gospel. You should know them and you should feel something. It is an emotional thing to consider. But Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, here's the thing. While we should feel something in our hearts, if our definition of faith is how we feel, well, our emotions and our heart are fickle. They change. And that's true for all of us. So if the sum total of faith is how you feel, it is not a saving faith. Here is what we need to understand about biblical faith. Faith is action. God is calling us to more than just intellectually understanding or emotional response. He is calling us to loyalty. Look at the times in scripture where the word faith or belief are present and apply this idea of faith as action to it and see just how much more sense those passages make. You see, a saving faith is not just something you are convinced of in your heart or a feeling in your heart. It's an act of loyalty to Jesus Christ. Now, this is, if you've spent any time at all uh, studying scripture or listening to sermons, you know that there is a big conversation around this. Faith versus works. Paul versus James. And there's this idea that there's a contradiction here between faith and works. But there is absolutely not because our understanding of those terms is different than theirs was. James says very clearly and strongly that faith without works is dead. In other words, according to James, faith that does not spur on works or action doesn't exist in terms of a saving faith in Jesus. And look how he reinforces this point in the next few verses. He uses two very well-known people from Scripture who honestly could not be more different. Uh, If he had tried, he could not have picked two more different people. In verse 20, he says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Again, this is such a great example because it shows, first of all, that it doesn't matter who you are or where you find yourself. God desires to have you and use you for his glory. And that's actually really good and reassuring when we're reading a a passage of scripture that can be as um, scary as this. Uh, Because you couldn't have found two more people who were, two people who were more different if you tried. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was called a friend of God, and he spoke with God. Rahab had been a sinful woman. She was a prostitute. Abraham was a friend of God, but Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. So what do these two people have in common? Well, they both had and exercised a saving faith in God. Now, it wasn't the actions themselves that mattered. I know that sounds a little contradictory, It wasn't specifically what they did. It was the fact that they lived out what they believed and what they said they believed with their mouth. Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice, and he was willing to go through with it purely out of obedience and submission to God. Now, it wasn't his idea. In fact, if we're talking about the head and the hand, or the head and the heart, um, this action of faith would have gone completely against any logical head or heart thought of a father. And sometimes acting on our faith can be contradictory to what makes sense to us. But James says his faith was made complete by what he did. And that can only mean one thing. If his faith was made complete by what he did, then his faith, without that action, was incomplete. After that, it says, Abraham believed God, the same word as our core verse, as a result of his faith and his action. Combined, it was credited to him as righteousness. And then James says, you see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So that's Abraham, his example he looks at here. Now let's flip over to Rahab. In verse 25, he says, in the same way was Rahab the prostitute considered righteous, was she not even considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? And I think for our purposes today, Rahab may have been even a better example of faith here than Abraham, if you can imagine that. Um, But remember what I said earlier, that when we're called to believe, or when when we believe, accept, and place our faith in the gospel, We are being called to change our loyalties, to come to God's side, and to repent. And that is exactly what Rahab did. She demonstrated her faith and her belief by what she did. Again, was it the action itself? No, it wasn't this specific thing. But would believing that the God of the Israelites was the one true God have saved her from the destruction that followed? No. She was saved because she believed and she then acted on that belief. She lived out what she believed and as a result, she was considered righteous. 
And then James concludes these two examples by saying, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And so with that in our mind, let's turn the question to ourselves and ask, what kind of faith do I have? We see two options here in this passage. The first option is dead faith. This kind of faith is the kind of faith that offers words instead of actions. People who have this kind of faith, faith, they may know the right words to say, to pray, or to talk about the Bible, or beliefs. They may even be able to quote a number of verses from the Bible. But this person's walk does not match their words. It is an intellectual faith. In their mind, they know the truth. They've heard it. They believe that it is true. They even could have had an emotional response to it and be stirred in their heart. They know the right words to say, but they don't back up their words with their actions. And again, this isn't about perfection. This isn't about earning salvation, but about evidence of salvation, evidence of faith. And so, can this kind of faith save us? James says three times in this passage, no, it cannot. Any declaration of faith that does not result in even the slightest evidence of a changed life, that does not result in good works as an outpouring from their life and their faith is a false declaration. It is a dead faith. It's counterfeit. And it tricks us because it makes us falsely confident that we are saved. And so I want us to consider, is this the kind of faith that I have? Does my faith go beyond just knowing and feeling the right things at the right times? Does my service to God go beyond intellectually holding the right truths? Again, you don't have to be perfect. That is not what this is saying. But if you talk like someone who is saved and your life in no way, no identifiable way reflects that, it might be time to ask hard questions. So that's the first kind of faith. The second kind of faith is living faith. True, living, moving faith involves the whole person. A dead faith only touches the mind or the emotions, but true faith involves the mind, the emotions, and the will. The mind understands and comprehends the truth of the word of God. The heart desires God and rejoices in the truth, and the will acts upon the truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of this, true saving faith will always lead to action. It's not intellectual contemplation. It's not an emotional response to music or scripture. True saving faith is what leads us to obedience in doing good works. Abraham demonstrated his saving faith by his obedience to God through his works. Rahab demonstrated that she had saving faith through her works. True, saving, dynamic faith is faith that works. All other kinds of so-called faith are in fact not faith at all. So let me ask again, what kind of faith do you have? Now, As I conclude, I want to be clear one more time. No one earns their salvation, whether by faith, works, or otherwise. And that's not what this is. If you read ahead, you would have come across this quote in our chapter this week by Mark Moore. When he says, those who are trying to earn salvation through works ask this, is this all I have to do? 
those who are living their allegiance to God out ask a different question. What else can I do? Simply put, faith works. When you receive the gospel, you put into practice what you believe in your head and what you feel in your hearts. As a result, it comes out of your hands because what else could it do? It's not about earning anything. It's not about acting out of obligation. It's gratitude for what we have received. It is evidence of true faith. We've said before, you will live out what you believe. You just will. If you are standing in the middle of the train tracks and someone comes up and says, a train is coming around the corner and it's going to kill you if you do not move in the next 10 seconds, and you say, thank you, I believe you, and you keep standing there, do you truly have faith and belief in what he said? And so if you consider yourself a person of faith, my challenge to you this week, as we leave here today, as we go through our daily life, is to examine yourself and ask, where is the fruit of my faith? Often when people try to argue against the importance of action in regards to faith, they will point to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's a great scripture, and it's true. But that's often where we stop reading, isn't it? But listen to the words that follow in the next verse. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe eating is necessary for me to live, so I eat. I believe that rest is necessary for me to have the energy that I need for the next day, and so I sleep. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he came to live among us, die because of us, and raise to life for us, to save us and bring us back into relationship with him? And if you do, what are you going to do about it? Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come out and to join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.